0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, I want to I start with a question this morning, and just to kind of acclimate you with this subject matter today. How many of you have ever been asked the particulars of a situation or, or something in your life and your reply to that was, well, I know how it feels. I know what it's like, but I can't really put it into words. I don't know how to describe what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. I, I understand it, but at the same time, it defies logic and I can't really give a full explanation for it. In other words, it's indescribable. It's indescribable. It's. It could be any, that could be applied to any number of circumstances in your life or certain things, but like sometimes you just, you know, you walk into work on a Tuesday morning and you know, you've just got this silly grin on your face and somebody says, hey, what's wrong with you? Right? And you're just like, I don't know. It's indescribable. I'm just filled with joy. Can I tell you today that that is the kind of joy that God, through Christ Jesus, intends for you and I to have? It's a kind of joy that is, if we are asked to explain it, we can maybe give some fundamental truths of, about it, but the nature of it, it's indescribable. It's beyond our ability to give an accurate description. We can kind of tell people about it. We can kind of suggest what it's maybe like, but we can't really find the adequate words to give it description. How many of you want that kind of joy in your life? That's me with both hands, amen? So there are words, we'll call them words of rarity. They are words that we don't often hear. How many of you, when you hear a new word, you just your ears kind of perk up? Whenever I hear a new word, my ears perk up. I usually use it uh, later on in some kind of sentence and annoy people around me because they're like, we don't know what that word means, stop doing that. But it's fun. But there's a word, if you are reading a King James Bible, there is a word that is used in the King James Bible only three times. It's a rare word. And it is the word unspeakable. And that term unspeakable in the context of what we're talking about today is just what we illustrated earlier. It means indescribable. We can't really accurately define what it's like but at the same time we know how it is when we experience it but we just can't quite Put it into words. There there are three times this word uh, unspeakable is used in the word. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 12.4, Paul writing about being caught up in the heaven says, How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it's not lawful for a man to utter. And in 1 Peter 1, 1.8 we find these words and it says, Whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now in these verses we find God's unspeakable gift, his unspeakable words, and our unspeakable joy or the unspeakable joy that's afforded us through him. God's unspeakable gift, if you can think about this for just a minute, because we can all explain this, but yet it seems like our explanation falls so short. But God's unspeakable gift is Jesus Christ. And I can stand here this morning and I can tell you that God sent his son into the world. That through him men might be saved from their sins and be afforded an eternity in heaven. Now, that does describe the concept and the theory of it, but really the weight and the gravity of that fact is not represented fully in what I just said. It is the simple truth, but there's so much more to it. I mean, God taking on the form of a human to come and suffer and die for us, it's indescribable, it's unspeakable. Paul said he heard words that were too sacred to divulge and the joy that God wants us to have is so full that it defies description. So if you've got your spot there, 1 Peter chapter 1, I want you to begin reading with me in verse 1. And we're going to look at the word together this morning. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia. <coughs> I'm sorry for coughing in the microphone. Sometimes I forget that it's attached to the side of my head, but my My apologies. The elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, And that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with, and the New King James says, inexpressible joy and full of glory. So today I want to talk to you about that phrase there, rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory this message is titled the secrets of unspeakable joy now it's not a secret because it's hard to find or because it remains a mystery we know where this joy comes from we know how to attain this joy but i call it a secret because there are so few that seem to be able to find it now what an incredible statement these, these believers had never seen Jesus as Peter did, same as you and I. We, we weren't first hand witnesses, yet they were able to love Jesus and rejoice in Christ with indescribable joy. Now you say, well, pastor, those were people who lived in Bible times. We don't live in Bible times. Things are different now than they were then. No, they're not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Okay, so we've established that truth. We've established that fact. And then I don't know if you caught it early on, but Peter here is writing to the pilgrims of the dispersion. Now, if you understand that in the historical context, that means that the oppression of the government that was on them for being Christians. Dispersion. It means like when we say amen here today, we're going to disperse. We're going to go our different ways. We're going to be scattered. In that day, the church was under such persecution that the believers had to flee from Jerusalem. They couldn't stay in their holy huddle anymore, but they had to go and take the gospel to the far-flung corners of the earth. They, they moved out, and their influence moved with them. And they were... A people under persecution so you've got to understand here this is not just people who simply had it made and therefore they were filled with joy they were people who were living under persecution and Peter's writing to them and praise God because he has borne the penalty of the cross and through him we are saved and we can know joy indescribable joy a joy that is full, a joy that is rich, and a joy that is complete. Now, I want to I share with you a few things today because too often we base our joy on contingencies. Contingencies meaning if. If a certain thing goes a certain way, then I can experience joy. If a certain thing lines up in a certain fashion, then I can experience joy. I can walk in joy. But I want to tell you today that your joy is not based in circumstance, but true joy, the indescribable joy that Jesus offers us is based and rooted in truth. And that's what Peter is sharing here with these people, that it's, it's a fact. It's not a contingency, but this indescribable joy comes from walking in and living in the truth. So if you've, gotten, if you've got your bulletins this morning, there's some notes on the back. You're going to want to jot down these few facts here. And here are the, here are the facts this morning. They had indescribable joy because they were born again. They had indescribable joy because they were saved. He writes to them and says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ From the dead. That's what it means to be begotten again, as Peter writes, is to be born again. It's what Jesus tried to explain or did explain to Nicodemus when this uh, religious ruler, religious leader came to him by night to inquire of him. What did he need to do to have eternal life? In John chapter 3, we find these words. It says, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Church, you must be. It's imperative for you and I that we are born again. Let me tell you today, if you're here and you're trying out church or you're watching online today, it's not enough just to simply go through the routines of Christianity. This is not a religion to be uh, subscribed to or to be followed. It's a relationship that we enter into and we enter into relationship with the Father through a new birth, through the finished work of Calvary. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we can be born again. We can be made a new creation And I want to tell you today that the primary reason that you and I ought to rejoice today is not because all the bills are paid. It's not because we've got everything we want or everything else in life is lining up as we think it should. The primary reason that you and I ought to rejoice today is that we have been born again. When you come into this house, if you've got no other reason then the simple fact of rebirth through Jesus Christ, regeneration through the Holy Spirit, if you've got nothing else you feel like you can lift your hands and praise God for, that fact alone ought to be enough. That ought to be enough right there just to fuel our fire. Why? Eternity was at stake. Before you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the word says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. The wages of sin in your life and mine was death, and that's not the physical death. We know that men, all men, are going to die given enough time. Statistics show that 10 out of every 10 persons will die. I didn't mean to blow your mind this morning. But when the Bible speaks of this death that is the wages of sin, it's talking about an assignment to an eternity of torment, an assignment to an eternity in hell, separated from the presence of God, cast into outer darkness, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There was a time when the Lord sent out his disciples to do his work He gathered up 72 of his followers and he paired them off and he sent them out and he he gave them great power to do miracles and to see the power of God manifest through their ministries. And while they were out doing these things, they found out that what Jesus had promised them was true. That it really really worked just like Jesus said. And however, They came back to Jesus, and and they said, Oh, Jesus, oh you should have have seen us. You'd have been so proud. We were were speaking healing over the lame. We saw the deaf here and the blind see. We, We saw all these miracles taking place. We saw people delivered from demonic spirits and set free. And in the midst of their rejoicing, Jesus taught them this powerful lesson. And we find it in in Luke chapter 10, and it says this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among the snakes and the scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because the evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Jesus said, Jesus said that the primary reason that you and I have to rejoice is not because demons are subject to us in the name of Jesus. Not because we can see miracles happen, but because our names are written down in heaven. That is the primary reason for the joy that we have. According to Jesus, there is no greater reason to rejoice than that our sins are forgiven and that we've been born again and now our names are written in heaven. These people that Peter writes to, he writes to them and encourages them that they need to have that indescribable joy because they have a living hope. Verse 3, we read there, it says, Blessed be to the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This, This living hope was the hope of living again. Can I tell you today, church? Let me remind you that this life is not all there is. This life is so precious to us and it's all consuming. And we worry about it and we stress over it. But can I tell you, this is just a passing era in our existence. There's a real place called heaven. And if you're saved, you're going there. Now, I've got to tell you, I've got to be honest with you anymore. It, it seems like it hadn't always been this way, but it, it seems like anymore in this modern era that there's a, a bit of a spirit of cynicism against this kind of preaching. When we begin to talk about heaven and hell... And the realities of life after death and, and where, there's mobi- where those may be. See, it's, it's seldom spoken of anymore. We want to hear about reality. What, what to do in this life. What to do here and what to do now. But can I tell you something? Heaven is a greater reality than this life that we're experiencing. We get so hung up on the tangibles. What we can see and feel and taste and touch. But can I tell you, heaven is a greater reality than this life that we presently live. It's not a fairy tale. It's not some some happy thought that we evoke any time that some of our loved ones pass away and, oh, they're in a better place and we just comfort ourselves with that. No, it is a promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is for real. Now, Sometimes we're just not spending enough time with the Lord to cope with life. And we spend so much time consumed with the here and now that we can hardly give thought to the hereafter. But I want to tell you today, if, if, if the adversary is ever trying to rob your joy with all of the confusion and the chaos that maybe you call life right now in this moment, I want to encourage you with the thought that we're just passing through. We're just, we're just passing through. This life is not all there is. As a matter of fact, Paul took an inventory of his own life, and, and we find that in, in Romans chapter 8, and he says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I want to tell you today, church, whatever you're facing in this life, Paul says it's hardly worth your thought if you will just compare it to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus one day of having heaven as our home. We used to sing a song years ago, It Will Be Worth It All. When we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so small when we see him. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. They rejoice because of their inheritance. Peter continues and says that this is to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Paul wrote in Romans 1 that God is incorruptible. Our inheritance in heaven is as incorruptible as God that means that it's not liable to corruption or decay. It's imperishable. Our inheritance in, in heaven is as undefiled as God is, and he is pure, and he is holy, and he is righteous. That means that it's free from that by which the nature of a thing is deformed or debased or impaired. Can I tell you, when you get to heaven, it is not going to have been diminished in any sense from the way it was when John described it at the time of his revelation. You know, it's, it's something to see. Sometimes you're driving through these cities and, and these downtown areas and things, and you just see the, what was once a thriving and, and booming place of part of the city. It's now run down. It's boarded up. It's graffitied over. And it's sad and buildings are crumbling and window casings are rotting and window panes are broken. And it's been 2,000 years since Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But can I tell you that its value, its beauty, its splendor has not diminished one bit since the time that he made that promise. Not one bit of it has been diminished our inheritance in heaven is as unfading as God our inheritance in heaven is reserved for us that means that God personally attends to our inheritance very carefully it means that he personally takes care of our inheritance he takes it upon himself to personally guard it on our behalves Jesus promised this to his followers and he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. they rejoiced. In their inheritance, they rejoiced that heaven was their home. They rejoiced that all of this was brought to you courtesy of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And through him, we are born again, new creations with a living hope and a heavenly inheritance. Finally, we're to rejoice because we are kept by the power of God. Peter continues in verse 5 and says, We are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is one of the most beautiful things about our salvation. You see, we are saved by grace through faith. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you and tell you that I grew up in a, in a time and a tradition where I always knew that I was saved by grace through faith. But I thought I stayed that way because I knew how to walk the line. And some of you know what I'm talking about. There was right, there was wrong, and if you stepped out of line... God was waiting to smack you with the cosmic hammer. It's not just his grace that saves us. It's his grace that keeps us. We are kept by the power of God, not our own. You see God does the saving. All of it. In totality. God God doesn't save me and then I perfect myself. God saves me. God keeps me. God works on me and shows me things in my life and points to me areas that I need to grow and mature. He does all the keeping... It's not our own righteousness, nor our works. Paul had to write to the Galatian church and say, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you to believe that this journey you began by faith, now you're going to perfect it in the flesh? Come on, guys. We're kept by the power of God. I'm not telling you today that you can't turn your back on God, that you can't walk away. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna fall down. But His grace is greater than all our sin. He's he's still able to keep you even in the midst of all of your infirmity, in the midst of all of your imperfection, in the midst of all of your inadequacies, God is still able to keep you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, I came to give them life. We worry sometimes, we worry too much, but we're kept by the power of God. There are things sometimes that rob us of joy because we worry how we're going to figure it out, how we're going to make the pieces fit, how we're going to amend the situations. And we stay so tense and so stressed out. But Jesus said, come unto me, all you that burdened and heavy laden I'll give you rest I want to encourage you today that if you're struggling in your spirit rest in him today rest in his goodness you're you're worried to death about what you perceive to be some imperfection in your life rest in Jesus You're worried to death about some shortcoming. Rest in Jesus. Yes, submit yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to do something in your life to rectify those things and and bring strength into those weaknesses, but rest in Jesus. You can't fix it. If you could have fixed it, he wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Jesus asked this and says, which one of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh you of little faith? Therefore don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Can I tell you today, church, he's keeping you. By his grace, he's keeping you. Peter continues, and I close. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, not even manifold temptations can take away the unspeakable joy of belonging to jesus these believers to whom peter writes may have lost all that they own they may have been scattered throughout the region but no matter what they still had jesus do you have jesus in your heart today do you have jesus in your life are you communing with him are you walking in fellowship with him are you in his word discovering new things about him are you in prayer sharing fellowship with him the hymn writer once wrote and said I have found the pleasure I once craved its joy and peace within what a wondrous blessing I am saved from the awful gulf of sin joy unspeakable and full of glory would you stand Lord Jesus as we've spent the bulk of this week perhaps being thankful for the things that we have. God, I know that there are many who, even in those moments, there's mingled in grief and sorrow and heartache. because we're worried about what's around the corner or maybe we haven't rightly perceived your blessing in our lives we've missed it we've not fully recognized how blessed we truly are God there are those under the sound of my voice today Lord either in, in this house or watching online And they've built their joy on the shifting foundation of contingencies. Things aren't lining up. Things aren't working out. Things aren't shaping up. God, today I just ask you to help us have the courage. Because Lord, it is by faith. But give us that measure of faith, Lord, to be able to transition from the shifting sand of contingency onto the solid truth of your word. God, that we would have an indescribable joy welling up on the inside of us that is based solely on the fact that you have loved us with an everlasting love, that we are born again That we have a hope of heaven as our home. We have an inheritance in you. God, that your grace is sufficient. That you're keeping us. God, help us to lay down worries and cares and rest in you. Things that rob us, Lord, those bandits that come and take our joy. Lord, help us to rest in you, God. Father, I pray for the despondent. I pray for the depressed today. God, that that would be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Break it right now in Jesus' name. Break every chain. Lord, those that are maybe like the psalmist this morning and they're trying to correlate this message with their own life and they're asking, why art thou cast down within me? God, I just pray that you lift their head, oh God. Lift their heads, oh Lord. God, bless them in abundance today. Awaken them to the reality. Lord, help us to refocus on your truth, and not the circumstance around us, oh God. And Lord, we'll be careful to praise you, to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise that's due your name. And we ask it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What we're going to do here as we close is our worship team's going to lead us in a song and today if if you've got something on your heart if there's something weighing on your life and you would be so bold as to say pastor I need a restoration of joy life and time and circumstance has been a bandit to me and I've been robbed of my joy but today I want to leave this place with indescribable joy full of glory I want to invite you to this altar this morning, we'll have some folks ready to pray with you. And secondly, if you're in this place, well actually primarily, if you're in this place and you'd say, Pastor, I know things in my life aren't right. Things are out of line, I came here seeking and searching today and exactly What you've been talking about is what I need in my life. I want to introduce you to my Savior. As a matter of fact, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would you just slip a hand up right wherever you are? Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray with you that raised your hand. Father, I come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And I thank you for sending your son. I thank you for that indescribable gift. That, Lord, right now in this moment, I can confess my sin. And your word says that if we will confess our sins, that... You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we just confess right now that we're sinners. We need your touch in our lives. Lord, we we claim that cleansing right now through the blood of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Lord, to wash us and make us whole. In Jesus' name, amen.